I'm Sheila Hamilton, and this is Beyond Well. It's a podcast for people who want to learn more about the interior and uh, maybe acknowledge that we're all in the process of becoming human. There's nobody who knows more about that than Jen Pasteloff. She had spent many years feeling depressed and anxious and hopeless. She was at war with her body, with anorexia. She left a 13-year waitressing job and said, you know what, despite my inexperience, I'm going to host my own yoga retreat. She now travels the world with her unique workshop on being human. It just is so great to see this dream come true of this book that is so important for people to be reading right now. Thank you. Yeah. Brian Goff, I'm weirdly always, emotional. Right? I know. Right? Yeah, even though As I'm on you should be. my medication, though, usually doesn't allow for it. <laughs> well, thank God it slipped out, right? Let it yeah. fly. Brian Goff joins us every week. Uh, our other partner, Jenna Lejeune, is in Argentina. Don't feel too sorry for Don't her. She's in sorry. Argentina. Yeah. Yeah. Of her. Um, <laughs> but the reason that I have been so excited about talking with you, Jen, is because the tenor of your book is exactly what we're about at this podcast. We're saying to people, we are, we all struggle. We're all in this together. And please don't for any moment in your lifetime, when you're feeling like you're nothing, believe it. And that's what you've done here. So thank you, first of all, for writing the incredible memoir on being human. Wow. Why are you emotional about it? Um, I don't, you know, <clears throat> I don't know. I, so with my antidepressants I have a hard time crying I mean like I'll cry if I uh, watch something really moving on a movie but my own life but you know so for example if someone does something really really kind for me you know I've seen other people where someone does something really kind for them they start crying with gratitude Mm -hmm. and I feel it on the inside but it doesn't show Mm. and I know that a lot yeah and I know sometimes people get then I, I feel like really on the spot because they're waiting for me to emote or something. Right. <laughs> um, I think, you know, I led this workshop this weekend with Lydia Yoknovich and I, it, I was particularly grounded and it was particularly magical. So I'm just um, really in my body right now and I feel really good. Yeah. And so I'm really present. So I think I'm really able to hear you, what you're saying and take it in and mm. let it affect me, you know. Mm. I, that's exactly what I'm hoping for here. I honestly feel like if we could do this with every single person who came through and let them kind of sit in their own magic for a moment, then we'd succeed. Oh, I right? got the chills when you said that. Yeah, so Completely. true. This uh, part of what I, I really love is that you have combined poetry from throughout your life, your, um, the writing that saved your life, uh, the people that saved your life, and and woven it through this history of how you've come to a place of just great beauty and health. And so I just want to start at the place where I feel like it, it, it to me, seemed like, oh, my God, am I going to lose this woman in this memoir, right? If I didn't know that you were alive and healthy, right. it was you. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> you pulled yeah. through. You had starved yourself to the point where you were mm. at 80, 80 something pounds. Oh God, I don't, maybe ninety, but I didn't Nin- get my period for over four years. Right, and but the way that you talk about it, Jen, was so interesting to me because it's definitely in that poetry of it was working for you to control something, 
Completely. Yeah. It it, it had like a, a quality to it that it was a device for you at that point. Mm-hmm. Talk mm-hmm. about that, if you would, how it became a device. I mean, it's well, it's interesting you say that because I, I actually talk about this a lot in my workshops. You know, I'll ask people, what do you want to let go of? And, and the fact is back in that period where I was like actively anorexic and, you know, nearly dying, I wasn't in denial that I was anorexic. I knew it and that I was sick, but mm-hmm. I was not ready to let go of it because it was... It became a device. It mm, first of all, it made me feel special, you know. Um, I if if people didn't think I was like the sickest one in the room or the skinniest, I would have a panic attack. But it it is it's it's that cliche, but it was complete control. So what happened was I my mom was I don't know she was having breast implants removed something I don't even remember now, and I went and I said I want um, a breast reduction. And the doctor said, just lose five pounds. I was just about, I was 17 maybe. I was like, lose five pounds? What the hell is that? Mm -hmm. I mean, cheesesteaks and hoagies and, you know, I I lived in South Jersey and uh, I didn't, I had never uh, done anything like that, like cared about that. And and I lost five and then 10 and it been, and I started getting all this attention and, you know, all of a sudden I felt like I was worth something, but yeah, it was the first time I felt in my life that I could control something. Everything had felt so out of control, you know, losing my dad and single mom, impulsive mom and uh, completely about control. Mm. And you uh, do this interesting thing when you're checking in with, uh, you'll have emotional things happen to you. And in order to tell yourself you were why you would f- like hit your bone or yeah, feel- like I, I'm like, okay, I'm okay. safe. As long as I can feel my ribs sticking out or my bones or. So it was almost like a grounding uh-huh. exercise for you. Like it, it, uh, just the contrast is striking me so much right now because you were saying being in my body at this workshop has allowed me to feel so whole and I can actually feel something here today. And back then you were saying being able to feel my ribs and know that I'm starving myself has allowed me to feel like I'm okay. Totally. I just am struck by how people... That's actually Ryan, really fascinating, yeah. It, how people can <clears throat> rationalize behaviors in order to feel like I'm going to be okay. I think the word control is the central word there. Uh, to me, at least, control shows up in a lot of different kinds of behaviors. It's It's easy to get... Uh, captured by what the behavior looks like, whether mm-hmm. it's, oh, it's it's not eating or it's um, ordering your life or it's about excessive exercise or, or whatever it might be, but it's the agenda of control. I have to keep a tight grip on all of this. And it's not like you found other ways to control. It's like you stopped the control agenda. You've moved away from trying to hang on to things so tightly. Right. So it became more about openness and willingness than it was about I've got to I've got to tighten the screws ever tighter. Jen, you also um, in in talking about this relationship that you had with your family, I want you to describe it for people, because on the one hand, you had this enormous love and attention from your father Mm -hmm. and then quite a complicated and somewhat distant relationship with your mother. How did that feed in? Not distant. Definitely not. I mean, it's funny. My mom's at the Airbnb right now with my son and runs Mm -hmm. a business with me. Not distant. That's not the word. I... 
I, my, you know, my dad set it up in such a way that my mom was the enemy. And yes, looking back now, I'm like, what a dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know I mean, right. come on. So it was like, <clears throat> we'd, uh, it was like daddy and Jen against mommy and mommy. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he, you know, one time, I don't even remember if I put this in the book where he would ring a bell and my mom would come and we'd laugh. And like, oh so then, yeah. And so then when he died, I felt, oh my God, he left me with the bad guy. And I had so much resentment and anger. And also for a long time was blaming my mom. Why didn't you, why did you let him die? Mm. I mean, I said that in, in my, in my mind and late into my twenties, yeah, 30 mm. maybe. Yeah. How did you let him? Um, so there's a lot of anger. My mom was never distant to me, but it was, I'd say my, um, you know, resentment and anger and I felt betrayed and whew. this is the what mm. I want to how I want to tie these two things together you said mostly in those years I learned how easy it is to confuse grief for body fat your job for your worth your lack of knowing who you are with the fact that you are nobody and nothing I wish I could go back because I remember all the table numbers, how to put an order in, what was on the menu, and I would not wear high shoes or makeup or sneak booze in the back or hide myself in all the ways I did back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that the, um, the way that you intertwine grief and loss and the way that you attempted to try to order yourself with your body weight was just so brilliant and so tender to yourself, really, in some way, you know? I mean, I think now, you know, this weekend at the workshop, I had them do an exercise, Dear 16-Year-Old Me, and everyone's was just beautiful and we laughed and we cried and one woman really couldn't be tender with herself mm-hmm. and I was saying to the group you know isn't it amazing how tender we could be with ourselves looking back you know to our younger self but she couldn't and so I'm able to be that way now I was certainly not tender to myself in the moment of course not. <laughs> of course when not. it was happening now I'm you know oh my god right one of the um, things that you talk a lot about and you finally identified was your, we've heard, heard different characterizations of this inner critic. You call it the inner asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we all and have one. And you're still very um, upfront with your yep. inner asshole. So, yep. so now you're writing about your past experiences, how you sort of became human. And when does your inner asshole come up? <laughs> well, uh, let's see. To clarify, I was always human. I think I became more comfortable with with being like, this is the human I am. If you don't like it, yeah, fuck off. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but I can't wait to see you on Good Morning America. Oh, God, and yeah. And they're going, boop, how- boop. Perfect. Perfect. Just see how, I, you, um, how you work around. Well, you know I was on Good Morning America with karaoke yoga. Oh, so, really? yeah. I'm like, oh, I, we can tie that in. Say, you know, do you remember when she was on karaoke yoga? <laughs> well, look. But, um, you know, the inner asshole comes up a lot. Just in the last couple of weeks, I've been going through these depressions. And I'm not, I'm not sure if it's hormonal. I, I've started to track my cycle because I'm, what's happening? It's like once, one week, I mean, really bad, like old school. Like, oh God, I wrote about this in my book. I'm, yeah. um, and I know it's inner asshole, old voice that I thought mm-hmm. I'd killed. And, you know, one of the epiphanies I had is that I, oh, you never kill your inner asshole. You just, you can quiet it yeah. <laughs> and you can, mm-hmm. it, it won't be the boss of me maybe, but you think I think sometimes like ah, and I think that's beautiful because your inner asshole, you're not being an asshole to your inner asshole. 
No. And <laughs> right. I mean, because I think that sometimes what happens is, is we get really, really judgmental about our own judgments. We get really, really uh-huh. mean totally. toward our inner critic instead of like you poor thing. Exactly. You know, you're with me and it's just, I know you're trying to help me or make my life work. It's not really helpful. You can stay here. It's okay. I got you. You're not But you're going to sit in the back seat and yeah, just yeah. Shh, keep it down. Yeah. That's right. You're not allowed yeah. to give the workshop. Exactly. Right? But I don't hate you. No, I mean, but it's, you know, and, and some of this has come with time, with getting older, with doing the workshops, but I've really, I've built a brand literally on being myself and being real. I mean, I've, yeah. I, I wouldn't say, can I curse? I already have. So <laughs> I have like a hashtag real mother effing life. And, um, real mother effing life. And I really have come to the conclusion that all I need to be successful in my workshops is to be, is to listen and to tell the truth. And the more I, you know, I just did a post the other day, I picked up my face, which was an old thing, a really bad habit I had in those dark years. Like I would attack lots my face of girls bleeding. with anxiety do it. Lots. Totally. And yeah. I'm with anorexia and I picked at it and I took a photo with like this, this, um, you know, antibiotic on it. And I put it on Instagram and it was like, like hundreds of emails of people emailing me, thanking me. And like, you know, it was like, this is me. Uh-huh. And so I don't, mm-hmm. a cool thing I think that's happened is people, I don't look at me for positivity, which I love. They look at me for realness. Uh-huh. That's right. And so it's oh, like, that's easy. it's that's totally, you, right? yeah. yeah. Um, one of the fascinating things that you did as an outcropping of like, all right, I, um starving myself i'm being very cruel to myself you really limited the ability for you to succeed but within that framework so you went to work as a waitress because that's all you thought that you could do you were the best effing waitress yeah i mean i i found that to be such an an amazing thing about you is that even within your limitations you were still the perfect perfect kind of worker you were the, you were. i mean no I, you well, were. let's clarify i was a terrible waitress but i was just really great people yes and so i was you know i had all these regulars but i was always like oh my god i forgot to bring them ketchup in the middle of the night i've messed up i mean i was definitely not you know i was always getting in trouble hair up but i would sit down people but i was but come on great. isn't that the best yeah waitress i mean it's totally the, world, the best right? oh my god i yeah. don't care if you took a little bit of time to get me ketchup. Who cares? No, and I would tell the truth. People go, what do you think of the chicken pot pie? I say, honestly, no. No. It's gross. <laughs> I was so grateful. Yeah. Don't you want yeah. that with the yes. server? Don't you want them to See, tell you I if know. it's good? I, I love I love this authenticity and this, and this openness to your own experience. So oftentimes people will come to, to me for therapy saying some form of, I've been struggling so hard against my anxiety or my self-criticalness or my depression or whatever, pulling so hard on the tug of war against this scary monster on the other end. I feel like I'm losing that tug of war. So I'm coming to you to pull with me, Mm. to fight more, like give me better tools to struggle. And I have to say like, I, you've got the wrong therapist. Like we're not trying to win the tug of war against the scary monster we're trying to put the rope down oh that's great i love that isn't I that love beautiful that. yes yeah i know it's beautiful so jen has this like 
I'll keep saying this book because you're so great that you don't keep repeating the name of your book. So I'm going to, <laughs> I'm rewarding you for just, I'm probably just tired. Normally I, when I wrote on being human, Sheila, page 42 says on being human, a memoir of waking up, living real and listening hard. I God, it's such a beautiful book. There's no wonder that you're going to be incredibly, incredibly busy, but you come out of this place of thinking like, um, Yoga is really helpful for me. And there was like a workshop downstairs or somewhere quite by where, quite near to where your work was, right? And then it evolves into you actually teaching a workshop when really, and you admit it, you weren't the best yoga. Yeah, I'm still not. I'm awful. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, but what does that even mean? You know? But, but, but talk about that process of how you began to believe yourself until you became not only an amazing teacher, but also led workshops. Yeah, and well-known. I mean, I joke. I'm like, in quotes, you know. Yeah. But, um, well, the truth is, I was doing a lot of yoga, and uh, it was helping me with depression. And my friends suggested to become a yoga teacher, which I thought was just the worst idea in the world. You know, like I'd rather stab myself in the eye. And, but... I went on antidepressants and it took about a week or two before it wasn't that I, I all of a sudden was like, I'm happy, but there was this pin, pinprick of light and I saw a possibility. Maybe I will do a yoga teacher training just as a way to escape the restaurant. I did. What I noticed as I was going through the training and, and then conversely when I started teaching is I was good. I was a good teacher mm-hmm. and I am a good teacher. Yeah. So it doesn't matter that I am not so bendy or you know but I'm a good teacher and it right I just want to say this reminds me of you as a waitress yeah the form yes. isn't perfect but the impulse and the generosity yeah. with which you do it is really perfect oh thank you yeah so yeah I mean I am um, and it just morphed into what it is now which is like see I never wanted to be a yoga teacher anyway there's yesterday I mean in our workshop it, let's say there's a hundred people which there aren't but maybe two people are like have a yoga practice the rest have never mm-hmm. or once but it's just a context now you know so what do you do in the workshops and i wish i could have been there this weekend secret you know i mean each time it changes depending on who's in the room and where we are yeah. and energy and um but Let's just say that by yesterday, it was only two days. I mean, Friday uh, Friday night was opening circle, but it was really Saturday and Sunday. By yesterday in the morning, there's 50 women dancing. I call it dorking it out and <laughs> just so free. Right. And I stopped and I go, there's no booze involved. It's amazing. You know, it's the middle right. of the morning. Yeah. And just the most, so, so we uh, get people to become more free. And it's difficult for people to become more free. You'd right? think. I mean, you'd think. Uh-huh. But it happens so quickly. So maybe that's a bullshit story. It it and maybe we just have to try again each day. So yes, us all dancing, maybe today they woke up and they're like, "Okay, well, I'm not going to do that today." No. But what's possible, you know? How quickly it's possible too, especially when you're around other people that are free. Yeah. I, you know, I call it yeah. dorking it out. So it's just like when you're around other people who are authentic and willing to be dorks, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I give less Fs what other people think. <laughs> One of the stories that really stuck with me was um, 
and, and you talk to, to people about, look, you don't have to be the best. You, you don't have to have the best ballet pose to be the best dancer. You don't have to have led a thousand workshops to call yourself a workshop leader. Right. You have to have this belief that you have something to offer people and your gift is that authenticity. But then there's this woman who comes to one of your things and you've known her before because you taught when she was in LA and she's really persnickety. And she says like, I just wanted more yoga. I don't want this. Okay. So how do you now taking care of yourself deal with that kind of criticism? Because the one thing that's going to happen when you put yourself out there is there's going to be lots of people who come back with an opinion of how you're doing. Yeah. Well, um, that was many years ago. And so now I'm clear, I don't call it a yoga retreat. I don't call it a yoga workshop. So, um, especially if they're coming on an international retreat, I, my mom, bless her, helps me. And we ask like, why, why do you want to come? And that gives us a, but I, I set that from the get go that this is, this is, this is not, um, a yoga retreat, you know, um, I don't care. It's like if you if you come to my thing and you want, you know, because you want to lose weight or like learn how to do a perfect down dog, you're at the wrong place. And yeah. I say that from the get go. So if you still then choose to come. Yeah. You know, uh, <clears throat> honestly, yeah, it's it doesn't bother me because that's not at all what I'm I'm doing. So in the beginning it was I was like, OK, this is I was just a yoga teacher and teaching yoga. But now it's a whole weird wacky experience so the the very funny thing for me is i keep hearing you say i don't care but you actually really do care which is so oh, I totally antithetical yeah. right so she's saying i don't care what people say about me but the truth is she cares about almost everything she does in the world she just wants it to be real yeah i mean that's you just <laughs> said it at least that's what i'm picking up yeah. is that you're saying i don't care about what you think about me i care about your experience. I care about my own personal authenticity. Yeah. I care about giving myself to this experience and showing up. I mean, it seems to me like you care a ton. Yeah. Right. But if you didn't particularly give me five stars, okay. Right. And and good call. Good call out, Sheila, because actually perhaps I'm, I was using the wrong language. It's not that I don't care. You're absolutely right. I talk about this in the book, but I don't let it shut me down. So mm. my recovery time is quicker. Yeah. So hell yeah, I care. Yeah. But as opposed to going, well, I'm never doing this again. I'm never writing again. I'm never, right. I have a, five minutes a day, an hour where I sit with my ego and my feelings are hurt and I, how could they not like me? And then I move on. That's right. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, not care is the wrong word, but, but I won't, I refuse to let it shut me down or define me. There you go. Um, but I, yeah, I absolutely care. Yeah. And I'm terrible. I, I told my team already, don't send me reviews. You know, I'm definitely not hard. I'm totally uh, overly sensitive and I care, but I just won't let it shut me down. Yeah. Um, I want to just talk about the first time that I met Jen. Um, she was coming to a great party that I had for a bunch of writers and um, she was, it was a really beautiful day in Palm Springs and mm-hmm. um, it was hot and she didn't have a suit. <laughs> and if you've never seen Jen, there might not be enough pictures of her on the internet. Oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, She's beautiful. And um, she said, I think, you know, uh, it, the pool looks great. And I was like, I have an extra suit. Do you want to, do you want to use my suit? And she says, sure. And she puts on this suit that I've had forever. And she's just like bombshell gorgeous. 
And, and we like a start, foot shorter than you. Yeah, but she's, <laughs> we start getting in the pool and she says, I have to be really careful of my hearing aids. Oh, yeah. And I was so shaken by that because I was thinking, I haven't accommodated for any disability because you do not present as a person with a disability. I wonder if you think about that, what the impact is when other people learn, yeah, I'm deaf. Yeah, I mean, well, also I'm deaf, you know, there's different deaf culture. There's like capital D, born deaf. Um, I am profoundly hard of hearing. So without the hearing aids, it's funny, they're ringing right now from the feedback, but without hearing aids, I can't hear and I have really bad tinnitus. I mean, honestly, sometimes it's, 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 yeah, it's made me want to die. It's so bad. So I have tinnitus and hearing loss. So the hearing aids, I could still, I could hear, but I still have to read your lips. It's still distorted. Yeah. Um, But it's not like complete darkness where I can't hear, you know, at all when I have them in. So um, that's, that's a great question. I'm actually working on essay right now about invisible disability and disability, but there, well, let me ask you this. What, what would you, what could you have done to accommodate? Like what, there's nothing really to do. Um, I don't know if what, it's such an interesting question because if I had known that you had hearing aids, I might not have offered the suit. Oh, because you would have. Well, on. no, no, because I'm, I would have been thinking like, I don't want to make it uncomfortable oh. to invite her into the swim pool because I could ruin her hearing aids. Oh yeah. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, but I mean, that's. You know, we have agency. I'm an adult. I would be like, oh, no, I, I, you know, I just, I didn't go under. Right. I mean, so Mm -hmm. the the conundrum was I could have taken them out, but then I wouldn't be able to hear and converse, you know. That's right. In the pool. So I left them in and just said I can't get my head wet. Um, If I had been in a wheelchair, that's another story, you know. So there's also varying degrees of of ways that we need to accommodate and that that, um, ableism exists. Definitely in this situation, there wasn't anything that you could have done differently. Um, it gets very exhausting for me, not at your p- party, but in general, constantly to have to tell people because I don't present as, you know, they don't see me signing. I don't, right. um, my speech is like that of a typical hearing person. And so it's constantly like, oh, I'm hard of hearing. And then, exp- and I just want to wear a sign sometimes. Right. Or just shut off. Yeah. I want to say something about the tinnitus that you have. You said sometimes it, it's so, so bad. And then oh, you said that it's ringing sometimes. Oh, not sometimes. Like all, all the, time. the time. No, right now the hearing aid is, is uh, ringing because okay. of the um, feedback. But the phones. tinnitus is always ringing. I never don't have it. Always. So here's the thing that I'm thinking about when you said to link it back. Let me see if I can follow the thread. Um, when you were saying well, I don't really care what they think. And then you said, well, I do, but it's not going to keep me from doing the thing that I care about doing. And I feel like that's a parallel to your tinnitus, that it's like if if life was about managing the tinnitus and trying to make it go away, your whole life would be, can I still hear it? Can I still hear it? Mm. Is it ringing? A hundred percent. Yeah. Not, okay, tinnitus is going to be an unwanted party guest. <laughs> it's going to show up and it's going to come along with me. And, you know, if it's really loud or if it's really quiet, point being... I want to do the stuff that matters to me. I want to do the stuff that I care about that makes my life feel full and yeah. rich and meaningful. Yeah. 
whether the ringing is with me or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so when I go to workshops, of course I want people to say like, God damn it, you were amazing. You crushed it. I would love to hear that. And no, I don't love hearing like, why didn't you have more yoga? But what I really want to do is I want to show up and do the stuff that feels really meaningful and uh, rich and full for me, the stuff that I feel like I was kind of made to do. And if the critic in my mind, the asshole in my mind has like nasty things to say, okay, it can come along just like my tinnitus comes along. Yeah. And uh, what I also have gotten better at is is something that's come with doing it a while in age is I, I right from the get-go, I go, so just so you know, I have no idea what's going to happen. There may be a lot of yoga. There may be one now knock and I don't know. And I, I really clearly set the intention and the don't be an asshole policy, I own that website, don't be an asshole on that, is really um, talking about ourselves. But I say like, you know, you, you came here, so you signed this imaginary document that says that. Um, I think if we set boundaries or intentions in the beginning and let people know right up front, hey, this is what it is. Yeah. What more can you do? That's yeah. exactly right. And I guess with the tinnitus, it wasn't about, it isn't about symptom management. It's not about trying to make all the stuff go away. No, because there's about, nothing no, that I have found. <laughs> right. And I think the same thing is true with <clears throat> my experiences. That's the same thing that's true with art. Uh-huh. It's not about making it go away and making sure that it always says nice things. It's about hearing it for what it actually is. 100%. And then, and then doing the stuff that we really, really care about that's worth doing. I love that. It, it's also um, a reminder <clears throat> to me that even if you'd shown up and you were in a wheelchair, I might still ask you to get in the pool and if you want a suit. I, I would still offer the same thing to you that I would offer to anybody and else I would at the party. Hope, yeah. right? I would hope. And, so. that, and that because you so beautifully live with every limitation, everyone lives with some limitation. Mm-hmm. You know? True. I mean, we all have something so that we true. I, I wish everyone really got that. It's really, I mean, mm-hmm. I can start naming them and it would take the rest of our time. So uh-huh. I won't, but it's so completely true that everyone is coping with something so why don't we all start well acknowledging and that's also that why i think they don't be why so when you when you were talking about the symptom management so for me it's really the way that i survive is having a sense of humor about it uh-huh. because if i didn't i wouldn't be able to get out of bed yeah and so you know and then some days it's harder than others but really being able to go all right and joke with myself and Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about your son. He's so beautiful, by the way. I was hoping he could come today. But there was a point in your life where you didn't actually think you'd ever be a mother. No. Why? Yeah, I, I mean, truthfully, fear. Um, fear and then um, the thing I'm, I'm scared the most of in life, and I, and I work through it every day, is change. <clears throat> excuse me, mm-hmm. you know, having lost my dad so young, it's like, I need to know things stay the same and mm-hmm. change terrifies me. And then because I found my, you know, air quote calling later, I was 35 when I started doing these workshops and the stuff, all of a sudden I was like, no, I finally found something. No, I can't step and become a mom. I'll lose my life. I, w- when I was pregnant the first mm-hmm. time, it ended up being ectopic and I was relieved which is something I could say now that yeah. I did not say then because I would write these little notes myself. My life is over. My life is over. My life is over. There's nothing that's more untrue now on the other side, having right. a son. Yeah. 
you know, the part of parenting that I think is so interesting for all of us is that we are faced really in a very big way with all of the societal expectations of what being a mom yep. is and how it should look and what your kids should look like and how the kids should be in the grocery store. And one of the things, and if you're not following Jen on Instagram, you totally should be because <laughs> one of the things that I just really appreciate is that we see a lot of Charlie with his spilled cereal and the way it actually looks to parent. Yeah. Have you felt like it was important to show people like this is Yeah, that's no bullshit motherhood. <laughs> yes. It's a big yes. messy often a hard thing that you're it's doing. So, it's, it's so beautifully not curated. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. I, I love like, it. Like curated stuff makes my butthole clench. I will not. <laughs> I, I, and the word influencer, that's why I have this whole thing I've started doing called Jen's fake influencer hacks. I'm like, save money on a cleaning lady by living in a one bedroom apartment, you know, and like, <laughs> come on, you know, this is me. <laughs> and I'm also successful, you yeah, know? Right. Um, <clears throat> because, because you have gotten to that point of, you have to get to the, I actually, it's not that you don't care. It's that I don't give a fuck about your judgment of me. Yeah. Or I do, but for like an hour. Right. <laughs> and then I um, let it go. But how do you communicate I, to young people, especially who are so involved in Instagram, uh -huh. and so involved in the superficiality of filters and what it looks like to be perfect? How do you say, get there early, don't, you know, try not to suffer? Well, I mean, look, <laughs> my mom, everything my mom told me was true. <laughs> Did I listen? No. Yeah. So um, I, I do the best I can. Hopefully my book will translate if they follow me. I do have a, a lot of young people follow me, which is really exciting to yeah. me. And For that reason. Come to my workshops. Yes. And so hopefully by me sharing also how um, dark of a place I was in and how I almost died and how much I hated myself and that here I am now. Um, and all I mean by here I am now is like, I'm not dead and I'm hmm. thriving, you know, not like I'm perfect, but I think all I can do is, is be who I want to be, have the courage to be who I say I am and mm -hmm. come be that, be her mm. and they can see that. But I, I don't, there's nothing to do, you know, it's like, that's right. Put down the rope. The most um, like amazing thing for me, Jen, is when you walk into a room, like how much you fill up the room. What? No, oh no, no. Yeah, because you just have an enormously oh large spirit. And all Thank those you. years <laughs> that you spent kind of attempting to disappear. And I'm just so grateful that you, you made it. Wow. Thanks. I mean, I... Before I forget, I wanted to say one quick thing about that. When you said that, you know, the tinnitus will always be there. It's just, man, it's just, um, I forget how you word it exactly, but this is how I feel about fear. Is like, fear is always going to be there, but what am I going to do about it? And so it really is that same epiphany That's with right. the hearing loss, with everything. It's still there. Just what am I going to do about it? Am I going to let it keep me in bed mm -hmm. and never get out of bed? Some days I did. And some days I still do. It's mm -hmm. just harder because I have a kid. <laughs> I, I often say in my work that um, uh, living well is better than feeling good. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Take that one. Go well, ahead. I mean, I think also because happiness. the shit out of that. Well, because happiness is a myth. <laughs> this idea that like you're happy all the time. Right. right? Yeah. There's no such thing. Right. Yeah. Right. Then, it, then you, you know, you've 
you've curated your Instagram feed and you've curated your presentation to other people and you've curated your own experience to yourself. And that does not sound, or that does not feel satisfying. It feels the opposite of authentic. No, it it terrifies me that, 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 I feel like what I'm trying to do is some active resistance, Uh you know, just like, I'm just going to be utterly myself. And, um, because we, we do live in a time that people are completely, um, it's like real life versus real life, R-E-E-L, right? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you will. I, I, um, there's a reason that this book is, is um, kind of taking off, and it's that, uh, that I do think there's enough people who grew up with phones in their hands from the time they were three or four who are just saying, this is bullshit. I'm, I need a new paradigm. I, right. need, uh, I need a new thought leader, and I think you can be that. Well, I <laughs> I wish my book was out now. <laughs> like, How can I when get does it? it come out? Um, June fourth. June fourth. Well, it's soon enough. We'll rerun this yeah, when it comes out. Yeah. But I thank you. Thanks I, for coming to Portland and um, for people who want to learn more. It's through Dutton Books. It's it's I I pre-ordered it. I guess everybody you else pre-ordered can. it, but it. Um, I mean, I, thank you, uh, but it it'll be delivered on June fourth. Okay. And uh, yeah, out in the world, and I'm terrified. And excited, both things at once. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> Carry That's it the all. Best. Yeah. Carry it all with you. Thanks, Jen. So great to see you. Thank you.